Henry has huge hands, so I don't know. I don't know what the deal <laughs> is with that. They don't translate over uh, FaceTime, I guess. I guess not. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn my mic up just a little bit. So now we have bigger waveforms. Yep. That's that do bigger waveforms means better recording, right? remember fucking all sport yeah dude that was my jam. it was like carbon it was a carbonated yes beverage we used for, to, for refreshment yeah in high school we used to have that in our vending machines and it was yes, like it was same. like yeah we were an all sports school can carbonated um hawaiian punch basically oh god <laughs> can, you, can you imagine awful. drinking one of those and like and like like laying out in the heat or like working out right yeah. now. Oh my god! Yeah, we'd be at football practice right now, and then we'd exactly. go. We'd go drink some all sport afterwards. <laughs> Eat oranges and drink Gear, all sport. Gearbuds is the all sport of podcasts. <laughs> That's a Ooh. good one. We, should, we could use that. <laughs> Put that on some shirts. <laughs> Ooh. Wait, um, are, we all, are we all? Are we all? Are we all hydrated? Yes, yeah, I think yes. so. I am. I am very right. moist. Good, oh good. wow that that's that might actually be the way we start this episode. <laughs> good. Speaking of, this is episode sixty four, Gearbuds podcast. We're fucking doing it. We're keeping it going, and yeah, we have an amazing guest again this week, and that is Mr. Joseph Pevin of Palisade Studio as well as Universal Audio. Dude, thanks for being with us. Welcome. Of course, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Oh man, we are gonna we are gonna dig into you and your and your moist hydration so much yeah. uh, as we go on. But first, let's uh, let's just get into the normal segments that we usually do and dive right on to the symphony of corrections here. All right, here's your your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Uh, if you were here with us, uh, Mr. Joey Pevin, that we would be gifting you with a tone tube right now. Alas, we are all. Uh, in our own respective studios, some home studios, some an actual badass, amazing studio like you, um, or, which we're going to talk about. So, yeah, you've got a tone tube headed your way eventually. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners far and wide. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. I've been updating GearbudsPodcast.com, the free stuff that you can download right now. Uh, there's a new Kawhi K1 synth uh, VST that is available nice. uh, for free that I will put up there, which has been referred to as the poor man's Roland D50. Uh, includes all the romplers and all that kind of shit that it used to have. I'm going to download it just because, I don't know, why not? I want to try this thing. Although uh, it turns out that it's not actually Mac friendly yet. So oh. um, just for you oh. Windows PC users. That's oh. interesting. But Usually they, it's the other way around. That's funny. It is. They're saying yeah. Linux and, and Mac are, are right around the corner for this one. So yeah. we'll see. It's, you know, it's it's a very small company making this this uh, this here product. So it's not like it's uh, it's not like it's coming from Universal Audio or something like that. Right. Uh, right. I wanted to give a, a quick little update here. We talked last week about uh, the Vanilla Ice Fourth of July concert that was supposed to be taking place. How did it go? Uh, it didn't go. Oh, they canceled it, and uh, they and, and and they tried to spin it as Vanilla Ice being like, "I didn't realize how horrible of an idea having a fucking festival is right now in oh, the south." Because it hasn't. And, and this it hasn't been out, going on for four months. Sure. It turns out it was actually there were only 284 tickets sold in pre-sale. So I guess Vanilla Ice is not the draw that he once was, especially during a global catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, However, I've got some positive things to add here because that same weekend, Mr. Dave Chappelle hosted a Fourth of July music festival where they actually did it right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's pretty fucking cool. It was six hours long, all outdoors, of course. 
400 people limited. Uh, I don't remember somewhere in Ohio, wherever he lives. Um, that every single person had to get a COVID test before they're allowed in, which okay. is kind of fucking cool. That's and really of cool. course, everybody yeah. who was allowed in was negative. Erica Badu, Common, Tob Quelly, a bunch of people were there. Questlove was doing DJ, they, DJing. They s- did stand up. I guess John Hamm was like just hanging out, working the crowd. Throw him in the mix. Huh? Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, as John Hamm does, the apparently. So, all right. That was pretty, I was pretty excited to hear about that, that there are these sort of, um, alternative options to just like having to go to a shitty country show in nashville right now if we want to see uh, some live music yeah yeah people are trying to figure it out right now i like the live covid testing or i mean well i don't know if it was live but they probably had to bring a slip with a date that said that they were negative so i i haven't heard of that one yet and i think that's really smart i I think that's going to be the future of uh concerts i think is hey we're, we're gonna carry around little um like cards or whatever, or a phone app right. or something that says, "Hey, here's our last your last official COVID testing. You can walk into this bar or concert venue, um, at least yeah. you know for the foreseeable future." I, you know, and I know that there's been sort of arguments against it and how they're doing it in South Korean stuff. I am fucking all about it. Like, I would love to just have an app to say that I'm okay mm-hmm. and that allows me to do things again because uh, things are are especially dire in the live music world right now. Yeah. And if you can, or, or everybody can, so you should. I'm just telling everyone right now, you should go to saveourstages.com. You can add your name to all sorts of uh, uh, measures going on to try to get some. Uh, actual assistance and and relief for a lot of people in the live sound and production world right now. They make it super easy for you to do that. You just like, you can link your Twitter account, which I did, and it'll automatically tweet at your local representatives to get them to pay attention to this. So please go to saveourstages.com and and check that out right now if you can. Absolutely. We need, we need our our venues before everything turns into a live nation joint. Oh God. Seriously. God. Yeah. We, we do a lot of live nation bashing around here. So good. That definitely works for us. Uh, oh, another thing that I wanted to, to uh, it's not quite a correction, but I guess to follow up on from weeks past, this one actually goes back to two episodes ago with uh, Broadway actor and musician extraordinaire, Mr. Noah Pelty, and we were talking about the unaired Metallica MTV Unplugged <laughs> episode, right. and I just needed to check back in on this with you guys because I did find it and watch it. Um, it's, uh, it's really good, right? It's, there is an very they were very smart in not airing this episode okay so uh Did, t- it's like it, the first three up ep- the first three songs are acoustic it, more or less although i will say lars still has a double kick drum which is fucking hilarious and he uses uh, it this was acoustic songs oh yeah dude obviously oh it's God. fucking lars yeah. uh they it was from 1998 so the height of their shittiest reload era okay um I'll just say this: uh, they're the when they got they they did I think three like I said the first three songs were acoustic and then they just were like well fuck this we're terrible at this we're gonna go back to playing electric and one of them was Last Caress and and I think James must have been also at the height of part like one of his heights of alcoholism because mm. while the rest of the band was playing it straight he was like kind of half swinging it okay. and it is fucking horrible wow. it, it, it's one of it's 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 like it's a train wreck you can't you can't look away it's that bad. I I got us. I was gonna ask you like what was the 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 height of the performance, and it sounds like that might be. No, oh no, it isn't. Let me. I'll I'll get to that. <laughs> I was gonna say, please tell me they had the the Saint Anger snare going. That's where they premiered it. Please. Oh yeah. <sighs> it was it was a little too early for that. It wasn't that. It was like uh, trashy, era or super high pitch. Yeah. Um. All the, speaking of 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 shitty performance, I'll say that this really. 
this really made clear how fucking much of a fraud Kirk Hammett has always been. And I say this as someone who like truly loves Metallica and they've been, if not my favorite, one of my favorite bands my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But man, him playing just like his shitty sort of too fast leads on a Godan acoustic is laughable. It's so bad. Uh, Um, mm. No, but I'll get back to your question, Dave. The height of the performance for me uh, was when they played uh, King Nothing towards the end. And that was, you know, one of their load, reload era shitty songs. And it's it was the height of the performance for me for two reasons. One, uh, because that song is just like all Jason Newstead bass chorus. Oh, there is yes. so much bass chorus in that song, which, oh. as as our as our listeners know, chorus is just my least favorite thing of all time. But bass so, chorus, you're uh, you're you're totally okay with, right? Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, so there's it's tons of bass chorus. And then at a certain point, and I can't quite tell from how the they filmed it, but at a certain point, James ends up with these the most 90s wraparound sunglasses that you could imagine. Yes. Like just like all of a sudden, I don't someone hands them to him or something and he puts them on like yeah. for part of the song. Yeah, and he takes it's, them off it, halfway and through. They're indoors. Oh. Like I don't, and this is a, one of the last songs of the set. I don't know, dude. It's. I highly recommend everyone watch this if you're looking for some serious Metallica Schadenfreude in your life because it's incredible. Maybe we can uh, we can repost that on the Facebook for everyone to see. Um, it is That's available a great idea on, on YouTube. Right? It is. Okay. It's on the it's on the tubes of you. So uh, it's there. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I needed to follow <laughs> up on that. Um, Oh, one other thing to quickly follow up on. We were talking about that Tokai lawsuit jazz bass, and we couldn't come up with the name of it. Yeah. And I looked it up, and it, and it is called the Jazz Sound. Jazz Sound. They, they, they didn't that's even it. bother to change the word jazz. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. called it the Jazz Sound. Yeah, they were so like, that's br- pretty bring it on, lawsuit. Let's go. Yeah. Um, uh, what movie yeah, was dude. that from again? That was in a, a movie you watched. Right? Uh, oh, that w- I watched the shitty Will Ferrell Eurovision movie. Ah, yes. And the, the bassist is using a Tokai jazz bass. That's, All right. That's where that came from. Nice catch, man. Yeah, way to go back. Whew. That's awesome. All right. That was, a, that was a symphony right there. And we're going to take it to my favorite part of every episode, Dave's Docs. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to do a little follow-up as well. Uh, last week we talked. I, I tried watching that... Um, uh, the Garth Brooks uh, documentary yes. on Netflix. Yes. Um, Joe, did you get a chance to see that, or or it's, uh, no, it's I, premiering on Netflix that. right now? Yeah. No, I've yeah, not seen don't, that. Yeah, you don't. You don't need to. It's. Uh, yeah. I I tried, Henry. I I couldn't make it, dude. I I got about twenty minutes into the first half again, like the like from where I picked up, and I I had to turn it off, man. It's just he started crying a lot. Um, wow. guy, he gets choked up like through the the whole thing. I even skipped ahead to like the next part and it's just it's like him crying a lot, like reminiscing. I think he's drunk. I think that's what it is. Sometimes, you know, you drink too much, you get a little emotional, you know, and I think oh, that's yeah. blues I think, blues, baby. Yeah. And I think that's definitely going on. But he'll be like, man, that, that was the first song I ever wrote. And he's like, he's just all t- and it's like, dude, it's the first song you ever wrote. Like, it's not, you know, I mean, it's nothing to cry about, you know, <laughs> um, we get it. You're amazing. Like you're Garth Brooks. So I, I turned that off. Um, and then I decided to switch a little gears. I've been, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Before yeah. we switch gears, I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought this up because, yeah, yeah. uh, so, uh, I, have you ever, have you ever checked out, uh, the Tom Segura, Christina P podcast, your mom's house? Yes, absolutely, dude. And I love their okay. commentary on it. Cause he talks about the exact same thing. Well, so I, yeah, I didn't, I love Tom Segura. I just have never really gotten into that podcast, but Mm, randomly this week, YouTube suggested some clips from it where they specifically (laughs) get into Garth Brooks. Oh, did they cut it out into like a clip? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and this has been a running thing to the point where, like, his fans, anytime Garth Brooks makes yes. a post on Instagram, yes. like, hundreds of Tom Segura fans post these really bizarre things that I still don't really understand what they're talking about. Yeah, so... But it is, like, they... They troll the shit out of this. Yeah, guy. so it's it's an inside joke. Like everything about that podcast, it's called Your Mom's House. It's an inside joke. And uh, what up to the mommies? You know, if you guys are listening out there, um, those are the fans that they're called the mommies. And they basically troll his any Instagram post, any like you know that live performance thing he did at like Notre Dame or whatever. I yes, I watched I watched a thing specifically about that where they, they just fucking tear into him. About they that. just trolled the shit out. Of, they have this like whole theory that he's like you know definitely like some kind of like psychopathic you know murderer. Um, there's a lot, there's just a lot of, he, the guy seems really crazy, man. He's, he's pretty out of his mind. So I can definitely see where they're coming from. Um, but again, you know, Garth Brooks, man. I mean, what can you say about the guy? Uh, great, great it's musician. so weird. Great musician. I feel I like he I, just yeah. went out of his mind. I think it was one of those things where I, he just got too famous or something. I've really, I've really tried to be a more positive person in my life and not just like so deeply slander someone. But man, that guy seems like a fucking weirdo. Well, and the way that he talks, he always he gets this real. He gets real, sorta, and everything's got a message to it. Thing. Yeah, and everything's yeah. like real important. And then these the, in this in this documentary, they zoom the camera in like right to his face. I think I talked about it last week, but you can see like the blackheads on his nose. Like it's oh like my God. right into his face. It's just it's really hard to watch. So I had to turn that off. Um, what did you turn on though? Well, I've been in, I've actually speaking of country kind of, um, I've been in this like outlaw country kick. I think it happens to me around this time every year. We talked about tales from the tour bus, uh, you know, yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, and I watched the, there's actually a documentary about Towns Van Zant. I don't know if you guys get into him at all. I know Henry, we've watched a couple of videos of him. Uh, well, I know him mostly from heartworn highways yeah. that, uh, that, Mm-hmm. That documentary that made me fucking weep. Yeah, same here. So that there's some clips from that in this. This was uh, 2004. It's called "Be Here to Love Me," and it's the whole story about the guy. Um, you know, just fantastic documentary, man. Super sad. I mean, the guy didn't write a happy song in his entire life. So it's you kind of got to be in the mood for it. Um, but I have to say, like, all of his songs are just super spooky, really moody, really emotional. I want to say he was like, you know, the first emo like ever. I mean, just because <laughs> wow. every. Yeah, and, and the lyrics and the songwriting, I mean, everything's just poetry. I really have to say he's, he's got to be one of the best songwriters, country, in, at least in country music of all time, hands down. And I think if you ask any real country fan, um, especially old country fan, they're, they're going to say Towns Van Zandt. Um, so watch that. And it was like, you know, Henry always talk, you know, these are my favorite kind of docs. They talk about him as a child, as a teenager, you know, growing up. When did he start playing music? And kind of through his entire life, um, the success he had, the downfalls, and um, it's really great, man. I, and, you know, he, he's just like everything that came out of his mouth was always like very um, prolific, I guess you could say. Like somebody once asked him in an interview, we were, we were watching it and they're like, he's like, why are all your songs so sad? And he's like, well, I don't think they're all that sad. He's like, a few of them aren't sad. They're like hopeless. But, you know, a hopeless situation. And then he's like, the rest of them are, that's just the way it goes. So, you know, that was just his his outlook on life. And, and you know, as depressing as that quote is, that's kind of what made his music so great. So uh, I Dude. highly, highly recommend Be Here to Love Me by Towns Van Zandt. I give it Dang, four and a half out of five whiskey bottles for sure. Ooh, I, I thank Ooh, you for right. preempting my request for a totally arbitrary rating. Uh, where did you where did you watch it? What's the what's the service or whatever? Uh, it's on? I paid for it on a service. Um, I think I think it was Amazon or something. So yeah, yeah, it's really hard to find online. Um, you'll have to pay for it on either like you you know YouTube, uh, whatever the YouTube Pay app is, or 
I think Amazon was where I paid for it. So word. Um, yeah, fair enough. It was. And, and uh, as a as a total towns noob myself, which literally, I'm, you know, my knowledge is what I know from that other documentary. Yeah. Uh, is there is there like a song or yeah. a record or somewhere some way that you could tell me to 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 try to get into? Little I would towns say if I decide to listen, I would say this, man. And you you've seen this, but I'll tell our listeners if you watch the live performance of "Waiting Around to Die," um, it's yeah. the first song he ever wrote. And it's probably one of the saddest songs ever written. And he plays it in this cabin just on an acoustic. There's, It's kind of like a fly on the wall. They use it in Heartworn Highways in the movie, um, which was a documentary from 1972. And he's just sitting in this cabin, and there's like a little dog running around. And he's playing, and this gentleman behind him is just literally tearing up as he's like telling the story of this song that he wrote. It's, it's really, really emotional. So I recommend it. If you like that, if you want to get your feels on, Towns Van Zant, man, it's it, he's the way to go for sure. Yeah. On a uh, related note, Sad I wanted dude. to ask you guys: Have you heard of Night Flight? Is this familiar? Night, Night Flight. Night Flight. No. no. Night no. Flight. So Please. Night Flight's a streaming service, um, and it sort of predates MTV. So I guess it started about 1980 or so, um, roughly then. But uh, on their streaming service, they have more music documentaries than I've ever seen in my life. Um, no holy shit oh yeah uh i'm currently looking at four different acdc documentaries that they're streaming (laughs) wait there's there's one there's one acdc documentary (laughs) no there's four wow um you might have just changed the game for us here oh yeah i mean i'm always looking and and they just have like a library of them you can just kind of go through them all and i'm looking at um about 20 different grunge documentaries uh let's see how many british invasion documentaries there's another 20 um well here's the well, sid you've just sid uh, barrett documentary you just fil- filled dave's docs for yeah. the next oh, oh yeah foreseeable future I guess, I guess i guess i'm not sleeping for the next three days <laughs> oh yeah uh, um the, the best part of this whole service is that it's also full of the craziest weirdest horror b movies sci-fi uh straight to video um weirdness um really? ever yeah they have the whole collection of james and you said that was called night flight night flight yeah they have yeah, a whole collection of yeah, Jane Fonda night. workout tapes here. Um, okay, my mom had some of those. That's hilarious. What? If you want to relive your youth, you know, then we can. They've got what you need. That's. I mean, wait. They do have music ever. docs, horror movies, and Jane Fonda workout videos. I'm in. Oh man. yeah, let's, let's do it. I'm canceling Netflix, frankly, <laughs> yeah, know, as you right? as you all should. The, all the entertainment <laughs> I need. Oh, I love it, dude. Great rec, man. We'll definitely. Oh, I'll definitely that. sign up. Is it like a subscription? Like I can sign up for it or something? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, subscription five bucks a month i've been paying for, it's oh. worth every penny that's um, nothing let's do it yeah and seriously it is uh one of the best streaming services out there for weird underground um you know documentaries etc you know I've, i never got to watch the jesus lizard documentary it's in here um oh, oh. that would be cool i would definitely uh, get into that okay i'm doing it yeah yeah i'm signing actually. up man five bucks a month you had I mean, me a jesus lizard oh yeah oh wow All wow right. Dude, all right, that was amazing. Well, we've got we've got all of our future Dave's docs. Yeah, dude. That I mean, that really because the, here's the thing, man. I'm I'm kind of like, you know, I, I think I've talked about it before. I'm not running out of documentaries, um, but I'm trying to like, you know, rack my brain. It's like when you go to the video store. Remember going to video stores, and you would stand there and just be like, "What the hell do I want to?" And you're just looking at this wall of movies, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Or you go to the grocery store and you were like, "What was I supposed to get?" So I got to start keeping track of this stuff, and I got to start looking. I need a new library, like a new thing. 
you know, to get actual content from rather than just Googling top 50 rock documentaries, you know, which is basically what you end up looking at the same titles all the time, you know? So yeah. thanks yeah. for the recommendation, oh, yeah. man. I will definitely, of, definitely look into this. Of, of course. You I know, know you guys, you, you, you both just triggered something in me. I think Dave, you saying uh, the, the records or the um, video store thing. Uh, this is episode 64. Without thinking too deeply about it, I want to know what each of your favorite Nintendo 64 games are. Dave, you first. Ooh, uh, what was the one? It was a racing game. Zero Gravity? F-Zero. F-Zero. 64. F-Zero. That was it. Yeah, man. That game was super cool. I liked that a lot. Ooh, good answer. I love that. All right, Joey, what do you got? Wave Race 64. You Ooh. motherfucker! That was gonna be mine. No way! Come, Come on! on. Oh, I swear bad. to I was expecting one of you to be like Goldeneye, and I thought maybe the other person would be like Ocarina of Time, and I was gonna be like both of those are great, but Wavery sixty four is the top. Holy shit! For the record, I just want to say fuck Goldeneye. I hate Super that game. Fuck Goldeneye. It has that game has aged very poorly. I would wow. if you've played any any first person shooters since then. Goldeneye of, sucks. Of now. course, it's no Halo or Call of Duty or anything. It, but, it sucked uh, back in the day too, and I'm going to die on this. Hill. Oh, these guys take. I will die on stand. Just bold stances here. Though. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it into the next segment, which is the Riff Library. Uh, Dave, you were talking about you've been getting into the sort of like uh, outlaw country lately. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of going in the, in the opposite direction. I've been I don't know if there's something about. Maybe it's just because like I got to go back to my practice space again. I don't know whatever it is. I've been listening to a lot of heavy shit, and so yeah. I, this week I would like to talk about uh, one of my top five for sure heavy albums of all time: 2001's Jane Doe by Converge. Uh, it is their fourth. I should have written this down. I think their fourth studio record. Um, it was their last one on Equal Vision. Uh, I think a lot of, for a lot of people, you can get into the different subgenres and whatever. But I think if you're talking about like metallic hardcore or metalcore, there's probably nothing better than this record. Hmm. Um, uh, the art is completely iconic at this point. I mean, even if you don't know this record, you've seen somebody with Jane Doe tattooed on them. Okay. Uh, this is the last record that when there were still two guitar players, uh, obviously Kirk Ballou, who's, you know, this very famous engineer and guitarist and everything now, um, but also is Aaron Dahlbeck from Bain. Uh, he left after that. This is also the first record with Nate uh, Newton and Ben Kohler, which is now sort of like the, I guess, iconic 20-year-long lineup of the band. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it kind of, it kind of went petitioning before that, before that petitioning empty sky was my favorite record, like maybe ever. And then this album came out and blew my mind. Uh, it's, it like kind of did some, it's still super heavy and and screamy, but it's also like arty and weird. And some of the stuff is, is like a, a little bit of a departure for them. Um, it's, I learned a couple of things about this record when I was listening to it and then just like reading some stuff. First of all, it was com- com- completely 100% recorded to tape. Everything is analog about the recording mixing process about it, which is pretty badass listening to it. Um, I was listening to it. I've got the, it wasn't the original release, but it was maybe like the 2010 or so repress. And it's on this like clear smoke vinyl. But one of the things I talk about a lot is how, you know, I'm a vinyl guy, but I don't always love heavy music on vinyl there's something sometimes i tend to prefer those sort of more like digital exacting versions of things but man this album on vinyl fucking rips so hard and i think it might partially be due to the fact that it was this all analog process to begin with mm-hmm, right. can't say for sure on that one um but you know if you've ever heard it you know it's just like a super heavy brutal record uh i did not know this until very recently that session um it was done over a few different studios but the main session was recorded next door to a james taylor session 
Really? Which I was like, that's Ooh. fucking hilarious. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet he was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that this record was just like a game changer. It's been on so many top, you know, heavy records of all time and, and best of the decade and all this kind of shit. Um, so if you have not ever listened to Converge and, and you're looking to get into some super cool, heavy shit, uh, check out Jane Doe because I think that would be a good thing for you to do. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, seriously, if you're, if you're not hooked within the first, like, five seconds of the first song, Concubine, with the guitar riff that happens and then, like, all the madness that follows, that you're probably not going to ever like it. But for me, that's just, like, it, it, even just thinking about that riff right now makes me want to kind of jump out of my chair and throw it across the room or something. It's just oh, yeah. so fucking good. All you right, should, you should right. do that. Demonstrate for us. Yeah, I do. I don't. I'm sitting on a pretty heavy computer chair right now. It's like one of those like fancy office chairs. It might be hard to actually get this thing over my head. I don't know if I could do it right <laughs> oh, now. You're strong. You could do it. I know. I worked out this morning, man. My fucking. I'm. I'm a little weak right now. Though, <laughs> you know? I'm getting a little sore. All right. Woo. That was Riff Library. Let's get into Future Gear. Not a ton. A ton to get into right here. There are two things. Uh, two amps in particular that I want to talk about. The first one. Uh, everyone's favorite. Balthazar amps. Our Yay. friend, your friend, has officially released the Cabaret 13 unto the world. Uh, there is, it was mentioned in Premier Guitar. It is live nice. for sale in the U.S. and Europe right now. So I'm super fucking stoked. I've got one sitting right, you know, right next to me right here. I'm very proud of the small part that I was able to play in sort of helping Balti get that amp out into the world and tweak it to what it became. So go check it out. It's fucking awesome. It sounds Not amazing. only is it just like the coolest looking amp ever. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Just throw your Princeton away and buy one of these. Hell yeah. And and Balti's an awesome dude. So Shout yeah, to congrats you, to Balti, man. Just the a humble, dude. humble, nicest guy ever. You can talk to him about anything. Yeah, support him. You know, that's that's badass, dude. And yeah, and after you go listen, go back and listen to whatever episode that was that he was on because I don't remember. I, I listened to that this <laughs> morning dumb. actually. Awesome. And hell yeah. And uh yeah, go go check it out. I also there's more to come there because we may uh there there we, we were we were getting together on Monday to work on some new stuff, so we'll see Ooh. how that goes. Okay. Uh, another amp that I do want to get into really quickly. Um so you know, obviously we we're talking about summer NAM didn't happen, so there's there will be this sort of like trickle of new gear that gets released and announced, and one of them is a new amp that I'm particularly interested in learning more about and trying out, and that is by Diesel, or I guess Deitzel if you're uh, if you're German and pedantic. Um, but they've got a new head out, and it is honestly a oh, it's the VHX head is what it's called. Oh, 100 watts, oh. all tube. It's KT77 with 12VX7s in the preamp. Um, not cheap. Five thousand uh, dollars. Not that any of their amps are cheap, but there are a couple things about this that I, I wanted to mention uh, that are kind of crazy. First of all, it has a digital color screen on the front of it, so um, that's just a thing that's going to start happening with amps that aren't uh, Line Six Spider amps, I guess. Is it like a touch uh, screen? Which, like what? No. It, what does it look like? Is it like a it has knobs, but I don't know that it's a touch screen. I think it might just be more of like a, a little color display. It has um, the amp is a lot. It has an yeah. IR player built into it, so you can load your own cabinet IRs. Yep. It has IR oh. player. It has DSP built in, too, so you can – it has all sorts of different effects. It has three effects loops, which is yeah. fucking crazy. Whoa. Um, but the thing – it also has USB output, so you can just, like, record directly from it. But here's the th the, the main reason that I want to talk about it is I have not heard – I don't – I believe this is a first. Uh, it has – so, I, you know, I have a Kemper profiler. Kempers are very popular in the world right now. You can also do some sort of, like – profiling type stuff with axe effects etc this has uh, built into it it has functionality that essentially 
it doesn't block it, but it knows when you profile it. It ha- like it was coded into the software to to take to take logs of when you profile the amp. Huh? And like, yeah. So you know, of course, there there this kind of blew up on the gear page and a few other different um, uh, message boards, and, and to the point that like people from Diesel Diesel have sort of weighed in on it it's because people were worried that like they were gonna. You know, if you've ever profiled something, you know it sends all these sort of weird alien-sounding signals in through it and everything. Um, and so, the, theoretically, they could block that if they wanted to. Like once they sense these things coming in, they could they could block it. And Diesel was like, "No, we're not doing that. Um, we just want to basically know when people are profiling it." And I think, and and I would like to hear your guys' take on this. But to me, I think it's sort of like, well, maybe they want to make sure that people don't just like buy a five thousand dollar amp, profile it, and then return it. Right, right. But I mean, profiling—it's like, only taking a snapshot of what those amp settings are at any given time. Mm-hmm. So you're not—you only get exactly. like one sort of Polaroid of what that amp is or what it can do if you profile it. So, but that's I guess exactly I, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and, and the sort of focus of this amp is that it's supposed to be not only be this like future thing. It also it is designed so that. Via analog means, you can get the the you know VH4 sound, the Herbert sound, all their different amps. Like are, it is designed to do all of the amps basically that they've ever done and more. So yeah, you would have to you would have to do you know forty profiles right. of this to get really everything that it does, and then it still doesn't change the fact that it has three effects loops and you can load irs in it and record direct and do all kinds of crazy shit sounds fucking awesome dude so i've, I've opened yeah i am very curious i opened it up here and i just noticed one little thing on the back uh at least on the sweetwater page um it says serial number 13 of 18 so are they only making 18 Ooh. of these guys Wow, I am not aware of that. That seems that seems like a I I don't know. I because like yes, it is very expensive. But if you're looking to get the amp that kind of does everything heavy, this could be it, right? So I can't Mm -hmm. imagine. I don't know. That seems limiting to me. Yes, they are all sort of you know handmade in Germany and that sort of thing. But I like so are Balthazar amps, and he's not limiting that shit to just eighteen. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that's just just a little thing I noticed in the in the picture. So yeah. Maybe it maybe those are like the you know early sort of like uh, retail units or something or you sure. know Sweetwater exclusive or something I don't know I also it is kind of funny and you know uh, whatever uh, I read that sweet the Sweetwater page too and they literally uh, name drop God in the in their own little write up <laughs> of it which I thought was um, sort of interesting but we don't need to we don't need to get into that too much all right that was Future Gear uh, go buy Baltazar amp now it is time to stop talking about us and start talking about you, Joey. So the way we usually do that is what with uh, what we call a couple two tree randos. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you a couple two tree rando questions here yeah. and um, see how that goes. So first one, if you could swap places with any band member, any band past or present, regardless of your talent or their talent or anything like that, who would it be and why? Oh, uh, Don Congleton, I think. Um, for everything in his career. Um, I, I grew up listening to the paper chase and loving that. And that really got me interested in music production. Um, and then, you know, hearing the productions he makes nowadays, uh, even as like a, as a producer, not like a musician, um, I still find it inspiring. So I'd like to swap places. What, um, I'm not, I'm, I've got to be honest. I'm not particularly familiar. What are some of the things that, uh, he's done? Um, John Congleton, uh, he was in the band The Paper Chase back in the 2000s, mm-hmm. um, and then he had 
another, what was his other project? I'm so, I'm honestly really bad with names and projects and, and members. Yeah. So um, I've got Google open in front of me right now. Um, <laughs> sorry. How dare I'm, you? I'm we'll cheating. You're, you're, you'll edit this out, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, his other band was John Congleton and the Nighty Night. Um, but both of them are just weird, sort of more soundscapey, kind of emo, heavy, uh, strange noise type things. Uh, cool. Which, you know, um, I, I really like that sort of jangly, jarring uh, kind of rock music like Jesus Lizard where things are poking out and, um, you know, not cohesive in a way, but also are cohesive in a way. Like bands like Oxbow and, and what that are how is this being held together but somehow it is we're daughters really Fuck yeah um so i love that answer because now i get something to check out that i've never yeah, listened to before me too, yeah. man that sounds start with paper cool. chase start at the beginning of, of um the lineup or beginning of the discography there and listen through um and some his, his production we'll, credits we'll recently you know modest mouse saint vincent uh mountain goats baja men um War on Drugs, Walkman. Um, I think one of the things oh, that shit. I... okay. Yeah. I mean, his, his production... I love that Baja Men was just like randomly in the middle of all these really other super legit awesome things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of them. Sick. Um, all right. Love it. Uh, if you were... If you were... Um, if you were a genie in a bottle and and uh, someone found the bottle and and they have to they have to gather three items from the world to summon you from your gene from your genie's bottle what would those items be oh um do the items have to have any purpose or you know or is it just whatever random items i choose just what whatever 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 you think represents you or, or things mm -hmm. that you would be like you know what i'm staying in this bottle until like these three things are out here because i want them like what you know just what what would it be oh boy um i want an elephant's toenail um okay. <laughs> good answer i i want a double cheeseburger um any specific uh, uh, location or restaurant? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about Fatso's right now. Oh, oh yes, dude, right I down the street. Fatso's. Fuck yeah, Fatso's. Oh man, see, it's lunchtime, and so maybe I'll stop there on the way home. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> but if I get one, then someone, then I'll have to get someone to get me another one for to come out of my little genie bottle. Um, exactly. Yeah. And the third thing I want is uh, a Roland Jupiter Eight. That's that's the fourth, the third item. Oh yeah. Oh man, the, the, you know what? I I want all those things too. So this is perfect. We can hang out in a, in a bottle all together. On the same page. Yep. With the elephant toenail. Uh, yeah. With the elephant toenail, clearly. Uh, do you do an impression or accent? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'll take. Oh, I mean, good. you know, it's he's being honest. That was an honest question. Honest <laughs> answer. All right. Uh, this question comes from previous guest Noah Pelty. He would like to know uh, the music that you make or have made or that you aspire to make. Uh, can you describe it through a particular type of tree? Magnolia tree, I think. And I think that's just because I'm thinking of magnolia trees, and we had one that was kind of messed up in uh, our front yard in the home I grew up in, like, uh, snow had broken some limbs, so it was very it was big and beautiful, but also um, broken in a weird way, where uh, like limbs were coming out in sort of odd directions. 
truly beautiful and That's poetic stuff answer. right here folks yeah, I wow I, yeah i was a little i was honestly a little concerned asking this question because like it's a hard frankly i wouldn't i couldn't really it. come up with that many types of trees i was like a fig uh, so, tree maybe yeah I don't <laughs> yeah i i was really the only thing i was thinking was that maybe i would have tried to turn it into some like douchey tone wood thing like oh, i'd want a you yeah. know uh, uh, rosewood or something mahogany bro yeah. so yeah so magnolia that's beautiful that's really nice all right answer. last question and this is what should we ask our guest next week uh, that you would like to know about them. Uh, question. Do you take your Crocs off before or after sex? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take uh, it. Do, did you guys see those fucking Yeezy Crocs? Yeah, dude. I have a buddy who actually bought up a bunch of them because that's what he does. He like flips shoes. Oh, my God. He's, he's making a killing on those things. First of all, I hate your friends. Second of all, <laughs> those are definitely the ugliest things I've the ever ugly, seen. And they're made life. out of like cheap foam too. They're not like yeah. even Crocs are are better made. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Boom. That was that was a Croc talk for. Do you uh, take off your Yeezy Crocs here. Croc talk on Beer Beer Buds podcast. Damn right, man. <laughs> or uh, that or like when uh, they I uh, did the Today Show thing and they called it Beer Buds uh, oh, on Beer Buds great. podcast. You didn't correct mm. them either, right? You were just like, yeah, it's fine. No. All right. Uh, that was that was a beautiful addition of a couple two true randos. And now we're just going to talk a little bit more to our friend Joey here about his background and all that good yeah. stuff. So what was uh, what was your start like in music? You mentioned having a, a magnolia tree in your front yard. Where was that? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which um, was, is a wonderful place to grow up, but uh, musically kind of limiting. Um, mm. It's in the northwest corner of the state and... Um, Honestly, as a teenager to go see concerts, uh, Tulsa was a two-hour drive away, and that was the closest place that we could get like D-level concerts coming through. So bands wow. bands on their fourth run of a tour um, is what we we could get to. Um, otherwise, we were driving to Kansas City or Little Rock or Memphis. So concerts didn't go to that part of Arkansas, um, and I grew up wanting to you know do something bigger and better um, than what I had access to there. And, um, you know, ended up, ended up in Chicago, finishing college and have stuck around since. Um, did you, um, did you start playing any instruments or anything like that back, uh, yeah, back, back in the day, um, let's see, back in the day, there's a place called Clunk Music Hall, uh, you know, shout out to Chris Clunk and them for, you know, giving all these teenagers a home and somewhere to go. Uh, so we had like a really small like local scene, um, and as in the teenage years, it ended up being much more of that screamo emo type stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I always wanted to make metal, and I played in I played keyboards in a really bad new metal inspired band because that's what was popular at the time. That and screamo, and we won't mention names or anything because it's you know <laughs> to protect the innocent. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I got I actually you know, was really inspired heavily by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails to get into the technology and synthesizer type stuff. Uh, and that has remained one of my biggest in influences in music is finding new and strange tones that aren't um, off the shelf. Like, how can we take something and manipulate it in, in different ways um, using well synthesizers? I don't know. I truly was always enamored by technology. Um, and I think that's... Mm -hmm what got me into you know the studio world yeah man you're in you're in the right place for that right now Absolutely. oh yeah uh so you said you you went to um you went to school here in chicago did you, did you go to columbia i did yeah i i finished uh my degree 
at Columbia. Um, I did most of the early stuff down at Arkansas, then transferred up here to finish. Cool. Well, you're uh, again in good company with our friend Dave here, and yep. it seems like most of the people that we talked to on the show at some point went to Columbia. It's kind of it was a kind great of school. Amazing, I, actually, did you, you I did, think you everyone did went to there, Columbia assuming, right? for what's up? Yeah, you did music there. I'm assuming, right? Uh, I did audio design and production, actually. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, you know, I, I, you've, we already sort of mentioned earlier, you've got the studio now where you're recording uh, called Palisade. Was that, I, I know before that you had another space, um, Rat City. Was that your first studio? Like, how did that all sort of evolve? When did you start working and getting your own spaces together? Well, let's just go back to college um, here real quick. And the la- my last semester at Columbia, I ended up getting an internship at Gravity Studios here. Uh, and Gravity oh, Gra- cool. Gravity's oh, yeah. a legacy studio. Um, you know, when they formed like 93 or so, so they were around forever, uh, and it ended up working at gravity for several years. And, um, after that I went off on my own and was freelance for a little while. And then sort of randomly out of the blue, had an opportunity to open a studio. Um, and I had a small space in the Fort Knox building called rat city sound, um, and ran that for six years, did a couple, um, really good albums out of there. Um, as hell's Lupa and uh, Cafe Racers uh, uh, Shadow Talk. Wow, I'm, I'm so terrible with oh, names. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Shout out to our uh, our core, our um, our mutual friend Cortland uh, and the man oh, yeah. as hell. Love that record. It sounds yeah. really good. Oh, uh, which one? Oh, the the as hell that as hell record. In fact, I actually listened to that not that long ago, and it's fucking oh. awesome. Oh, thanks. That that was all me and doing mixing, recording, production, etc. So, I mean. Uh, real before I want to I want to talk more about that, but before we do, I'm curious. You know, the, your time at Gravity. What you know, what was that like? What was the, what were your sort of <clears throat> responsibilities? I mean, I'm sure that evolved over time, but like, what what was it like being in sort of this, you know, I guess you can say more old school, large kind of classic style studio that maybe doesn't exist as much as um, it used to. Yeah, that studio style does, definitely does not exist so much anymore, and you know props to people who can keep it going. Um, it was really interesting. Um, I started there as an intern and interned for six months, year, I'm not quite sure. Um, ended up being able to running, re- getting coffee, doing that kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. Running coffee, um, fixing stuff, picking people up, dropping people off. Um, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of, you know, Hey, this thing's broken. You're like, take it. All right, cool. Let's go. Um, take it to the shop, pick it up. Um, learning everything I possibly could about music and production. And I honestly think I learned more practical knowledge at my internship than I did in, in college, really. I mean, college gave me a great technical background for everything, but um, actually getting a chance to do it and having, like, being an apprentice under Doug there um, was really, uh, uh, what's the word I want? Um, it was it, very teaching, I guess. I'm so terrible sure. with words. Sorry. I think you're doing great, man. No, you got you've got all the words. Yeah. I just, want, I just want to tell you this is my first podcast, so be gentle with me. Oh, Holy yeah. shit! No, no pressure, man. We're just we're just. I here will, to have a don't comment. worry. I'll I'll edit it and just make you sound really. really oh no, vocal. it's fine. It's, it's fine. Rest assured. Yeah. We'll add delay to your vocals too. So. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> just the fully auto tune and pitched. Please do. Please do. I, I'd like this podcast to come out in E minor. Thanks. We could do that. Yeah, I think Henry, yeah. you can do that, right? Yeah, well, done. I, yeah, totally. I'm already doing it in real time. <laughs> yeah, good. 
Um, no, so um, I proved my metal at gravity by being very technically savvy, uh, rebuild, fixing, rebuilding computers. Um, you know, I knew enough basic electronics kind of stuff to fix things here and there. Ended up uh, be getting hired to staff as a staff engineer uh, and a technician and studio manager. Uh, and it was really a great learning experience to work there. Um, just because it still maintained a lot of, of the old school like studio uh, uh, methods and, and, and uh, the studio procedures and stuff where it's, hey, we have an, an engineer, an assistant, and interns, and producers, and like that sort of regimented mm -hmm. style of production, where um, that was also right at the time when studios were changing. Um, there's a huge shift right around that time. This is like 2008 or so, away from traditional studios into um, single like producer engineers in a small space mm -hmm. kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, the sort of uh, hierarchy um, disappeared um, since then. So you don't have so much of the interns um, and assistant type stuff happening now. It's all, you know, single, single person running the whole show kind of situations. Yeah, totally. It's much more focused on the sort of self-sufficiency and wearing a bunch of hats and, right. and being able to do everything that needs to get done. Um, so it sounds like obviously that, <clears throat> at the, you know, in terms of approach, it had to have influenced uh, sort of Rat City and taking those next steps. I'm curious what your time, you know, technical background going to Columbia and, and working in, in a big old fancy studio, like how that influenced your sort of gear uh, philosophy what you decided to fill your own studio with what it how, how did that influence what you wound up acquiring for rat city and el palisade um well i looking and re getting on sites like gear sluts and things really has turned me entirely off of the gear acquisition syndrome um mm -hmm. and i look at gear now as tools like every EQ is a hammer and every compressor is a pair of pliers. Um, mm -hmm. And I try not to get enamored so much by, um, oh, this is the new hot thing or, oh, you have to have this preamp to record an acoustic guitar or you can't work unless you have, um, you know, a real Neumann U47 or, or whatever. I, I mean, I buy things that fancy me. Um, I, I look for things that are cheap and weird and do a thing that you can't find somewhere else like sure, uh, sure. i just bought a adr scamp rack for myself um which was i don't even know what that is adr uh was a uh, like a audio um equipment company from the 70s in england and uh, a lot of people have heard of the compex the f670 compex uh compressor which totally. was like yeah you've heard heard of that one yeah Mm -hmm. Okay, same company, um, but what they had was like a 15-space rack with individual processors in it. So think like really Holy skinny shit. 500 series rack type thing. Um, and wow. Okay. Yeah, so I was gifted a couple cards for this rack and then tracked down the rack itself. And the compressors that I have do a thing. They do one thing. Um, they're not very versatile, but they do one thing, and it's really, really cool. So... That's what I really like, you know, is gear right. that does one thing that's really, really cool. And I also wanted to ask, you've got this, I mean, your studio, I, th I think 
Well, I know if you have it currently. I don't know if it was always part of Rat City, but I think it seems like it's sort of built around this API. What is, is it? Is that a sixteen oh eight console that you have? Yeah, that's a sixteen oh eight console, um, and that is with a partnership through a private party. Um, and you know, we kind of have like an angel investor, I guess, um, as, sure. as we would call him. Um, what made you decide to go full format console like that? Um, versus, you know, I think a lot of places now kind of focusing more on the outboard and that sort of thing, but really a lot of, a lot of time in the box, you don't see the big 32 channel consoles like that as much. No, you don't. Um, partially because, uh, money coming through this industry is, um, much slimmer than it used to be. And the other part is there's a lot of overhead involved with running analog gear. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the console itself uh, requires maintenance, it requires parts, it requires electricity, mm -hmm. um, you know, things wear out, things have to be replaced, um, and you have to have someone comp competent to make the fixes on it as well. Otherwise, you have to, then you have to pay a tech as well to fix it, so. Right. Um, it was, I took on the console almost sort of enamored by getting to use a real analog console again. Um, sure. Oh, yeah. Like That's a, the like, dream. Yeah. And um, I like it, but truly an analog console in 2020 is just nothing but a big fancy hammer to me. Hmm. You know, yeah. it's pro pro I'm going to get so much, you know, shit for saying that, but a uh, console is really not necessary uh, unless you're in a big space like we are now. Um, but you know, at the rat city space, it was absolutely overkill, but you know, okay. why, why not have, I mean, but why not have it? And, you know, sort of, I mean, shit, if you can, why not? I, I mean, are you, are you, is it sort of, are you using it kind of hybrid where you're using it to track as well as mix? Uh, what's the sort of like, is Most, it on every session? What's your kind of philosophy? With it depends it? entirely on the session. Honestly. Um, I mean, I do track through the console a lot. Um, but depending on the session, you know, like if I'm doing hip hop stuff, um, I usually don't use the console actually. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm doing rock stuff, I will, I'll break out my mixes and track through it and stuff. Um, and I think that's just sort of the work. That's more of a workflow issue really. Um, in hip hop, you switch back and forth between sessions a lot. You, um, have to recall things very quickly. Um, uh, you know, it moves very fast where I find with rock and like acoustic music, you want to take, you take your time and lay everything out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think rock music lends itself to the analog workflow a lot more than um, like the beat driven music does. So it, like, like I said, it really depends entirely on the session that I'm working on. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I want to know. So obviously, we've talked a little bit about the transition Rat City to Palisade. So what was that like? What happened there to sort of spurn the growth? It sounds like you're in a much larger space, maybe a different partner now. So what mm -hmm. was um, what kind of happened to to sort of urge that transition? Well, if I'm going to be honest, um, I was in a space at Rat City where I was ready just to shut it down um, and try something new, um, but. Also, like right at that same moment, um, I got a message from a friend, uh, Adam Stilson, who uh, was the owner of Decade Studios. Um, and Decade has been operating out of this, this space that we're currently in now for the last two years. Uh, and Adam wanted to go freelance and asked me if I wanted to uh, take over the business or merge into the business. And so 
me and his former partner, Eric Rasmussen, uh, talked it over and um, we came to an agreement and merged our two studios together. So uh, Adam, wow. Adam left the business. Uh, I moved in. Uh, we renamed it, rebranded it, uh, gave it a facelift. Um, and that's how Palisade uh, was formed. So um, this, this space is it's kind of a crazy, we never actually got to the history of the space here. Um, yeah. But uh, it was built in 1982 um, by uh, some engineers and it, it's fu funny enough I'm friends with one of the guy, the engineers dad or the engineer how do I say this I'm friends with a guy whose dad built the space and we put that together much wow. later yeah um, <laughs> what are the chances yeah exactly so it was like it, this space is kind of crazy and we're throwing our everything into it because you can't find a space like this anymore in Chicago or, or any major cities really and the cost to build a space like this new would be absolutely astronomical so we've like like kind of like a hermit crab we moved into this space that was a studio through the 80s and 90s and um are giving it a new life really i love that that's yeah it's uh it's upcycling yeah that's a that's a word people use right that's yes a, that's a word and uh, how how recently did that all happen that was all this year actually we um i moved in on march 1st you know, great timing, right? I know, yeah. it's perfect timing to open up a brand new business, you know, one week before a <laughs> national <laughs> pandemic. Um, yeah. So, you it, know, we're laughing about it, but of course it's, it's, yeah. um, it's fucking scary. So, uh, you know, what, I guess I'm curious, obviously, you know, until very recently, we couldn't even really have these sort of like in-person sessions and that sort of thing. So what, it, what has it been like for you as this new business owner this, with a larger studio? Like what, it, how have you sort of approached handling these new normal times that we have and all the stupid fucking sayings that we all hate already. So like, what, how have you, how have you approached it? What has it been like so far? Ooh, you mean like our, like COVID procedures or? Yeah, totally. Um, well, there's a piece of software out there that is sort of life-saving right now. It's by uh, Audio Movers. It's called Listen To. And what it allows you to do is take your mix and broadcast it. Um, take, you can take anything really and broadcast it over the internet. Um, so we can work remotely um, and mix in real time here and have the client at home listening. Um, so sessions. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah. Really, we've never heard anything like that. That's crazy. Yeah. This, I mean, for podcasting, this might be a great thing to look into as well. Uh, but it's called uh, Audio Movers Listen To, and it's like it's like ten bucks a year. Um, but so we're working on more remote sessions, so less people have to be here in the studio. Um, you know, we're being very careful. Like we're just being very careful with everything. You know, everything gets sanitized. You know, everything. Um, you know, we we keep distances. Make everyone keep their mask on until they. You know, mm -hmm. stand in front of a microphone, um, et cetera. It's weird, but I think um, this whole lockdown has been an incredible boon for musicians and creatives uh, of all walks. Because, yes. you know, everyone's just had three months of sitting at home and creating. And um, now let's see the fruits of that labor. So. Mm -hmm. 
couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. That's, that's well said. Uh, so one of the other things I noticed about the studio too, is of course, obviously I had to look through the equipment list. Like, oh, yeah. uh, that's where I go um, first. Yeah. <laughs> is that, you know, I noticed that, uh, you know, of course, just other than being in this beautiful space, like one of the things you, I noticed it's both sort of, you've got all the Apogee, uh, converters and that sort of thing. And also the, all the Apollo stuff. I'm curious why you have all those different converters and, and interface, uh, sort of elements and how you, how you use them individually or concurrently. Well, um, the the real truth is um, we need to use Pro Tools HDX to be a professional recording studio at this time. Sure. Um, that it, it's still the industry standard, no matter what anyone says, no matter how much people want to talk about Logic or uh, mm -hmm. Reaper or Studio One or anything. Uh, Pro Tools HDX is the industry standard, and we're trying to you know create a uh, a professional you know world class level studio here. Truly, sure. Um, that said, uh, I, I work for Universal Audio, and I've got Apollos. And yes, I you do. <laughs> it's true. Um, I've got Apollos, and I, I try to use them as much as I possibly can. And, um, you know, I, I do love my Apollo, honestly. Um, oh, I'm using and, mine right now. I, I do, too. Yeah. I w if, if there were a way to do... If, if there were a way to use strictly the Apollos, I mean, I, I would make that switch. But... Um, you know, we have to we have to consider that truly there's this space is being sold to freelance engineers and people who might not know some of the quirks that right, you have to right. use when working with an Apollo with like Pro Tools or whatever DAW. Um, yeah, it's it's you know we 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 need to, this this space really to be as accessible as possible to everyone. So. No, no, that makes perfect sense. You're keeping it flexible and you have that option, but you're not forcing a particular workflow when, like you said, I mean, for a decade at least, Pro Tools has been the standard that everyone uses. Yeah, like a lot of people use a bunch of other stuff now, but you kind of, it seems like you sort of, to be taken that or considered that way, you have to have that, at least the Pro Tools option there. So that makes total sense Do to you me. ever suggest to the artists, like, I mean, you know, if they, if they want you to be as comfortable as you want to be or use what you prefer, then obviously you'll use the Apollo stuff, right? Oh, correct. Yeah. And we had that. Um, and we do have a way to switch back and forth between the two. Um, you know, it's just you throw some patches and then now you're using Apollos instead of the Apogees. Um, sure. So uh, re really, we're sort of providing every workflow that you could need or want here. So if you want to work entirely in the box, cool. If you want to work with Apollos, cool. If you want to break everything out on the console, super cool. We got that. Um, oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. Thank you for easing this um, not at all forced transition here, where I do want to talk about uh, <laughs> this this uh, this other facet of your life, which is um, working for Universal Audio, uh, which is you know also super exciting for us to talk about because we're fans. Um, how did you how did you get into that world? What does that sort of look like for you now? Um, well, currently it's a lot of answering emails from home. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, so I am the Chicagoland product specialist for Universal Audio, and most of what my job has been before, before virus was uh, going around to guitar centers and retailers uh, and doing trainings and promotions, uh, go to schools and you know show off Apollos and teach people how to use them, or uh, do trade shows like NAM or KnobCon or... Um, uh, Sweetwater Gear Fest or, or whatnot, um, and just out there, just being the promo person for it. Sweet. So, um, how what is like? How long have you been doing that? When did you start um, working with those guys? Oh, 2017 or so, early 2017. So 
three years. This marks three years right now. Um, nice. and it, it, so you, you clearly you're the expert then. So when I, any of our listeners have any questions, please go directly to Mr. <laughs> Joseph. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, really feel free. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to answer questions, you know, so. Awesome. Oh, That's and we talk a lot about the UA stuff here. I want to know, um, you know, give me, give me your top three favorite UA plugins. Oh, um, this might really be cheating, I think. Um, but. The API Vision Channel Strip is my favorite, and it's not just because we have an API console in front, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, my, my so the so API, that, I mean that's yeah that is sort of cheating too because it does have it has Dynamics it has EQ it has you know it's a preamp so it's right. like a, a few plugins in one really. Right. So I mean, while I do while I will um, you know stem a mix out on the console, I'll still use the plugin version of the same console um, before hitting that. Um, and I love it. I, I love. I actually really love it for the gates and compressors. Uh, having that dynamic control um, is probably my favorite thing um, on that. Hell yeah! Yeah. All right. What's number two? Uh, number two, the um, the di. I'm gonna mispronounce this. The Diatronic Criteria. Really, I've Ooh. never even tried that. Yeah. Um, might like it, Henry. Yeah, well, you look, should try. Listen, it. I mean, we, I've already I've already talked shit about chorus, but I will say I was literally having a conversation yesterday with a buddy of mine, and I don't think I've ever mixed something that I didn't use the the their, the UA Dimension D the Roland nice. uh, there, which is like it's a chorus, but it's not like I don't know. It's to me, it's not like uh, Over, the Cure chorus or something. Yeah. Sure. Right. I mean, the the Dimension D is uh, a, a wonderful. I love your chorus. I love that. Um, but the tri-stereo chorus does something for me. It will create uh, stereo out of mono without giving you that weird kind of phasing left-right swishy sound. Um, yeah. That you know, I don't like big swishiness either. Um, but this thing does something. It does. It does that one thing that you know you can't find somewhere else, um, which is partly why I love it so much. Oh yeah. Um, All right, yeah. last one. What do you got? One more pick. Oh, last one. This got to make this one count. Um, what do I use on every mix? Let me find another hidden gem here. I mean, I use the SSL a lot. I use uh, yeah, sweet. I use the SSL channel strip all the time. Um, I like the AKG BX twenty uh, spring reverb. That's that is a bit of a deep cut there. That yeah, I don't know if I've ever actually really spent time with. I use the that EMT one forty pretty much on everything, but yeah. I haven't actually tried that spring. I use the one forty a lot as well, um, but I do like the spring. Like I said, it does a thing that I'm not finding elsewhere. So, um, can you um, can you tell us about any any uh, anything that's that's coming up in the future that maybe uh, you know. Is is a little, a little extra secret, or do we have to keep that under wraps? Uh, I can tell you that you should keep your eyes peeled for new announcements. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good answer. Good I answer. will continue to do that. Very exactly. diplomatic. I like it. How I'm, you know, I want to talk just to sort of touch on. Um, we've we've talked about it a bunch in the past, but I'm curious, like from your perspective, how sort of the Luna launch has gone, and like. Um, how how people are taking to it, or any any sort of interesting tidbits you have about how uh, Luna is, is evolving so far. Um, Luna is 
it's been a huge hit, I think. Um, and it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, you know, the people, it, it is slightly polarizing and, you know, there are some people that are not happy with it and they're very, very loud. When someone's not happy, they're very loud on the internet. But totally. I think... Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Surprise. but at the same time, we're giving you a free DAW, so... <laughs> right, right. Exactly. exactly. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm not speaking for the company in that, by the way. But, but you're uh, right, and we've, we've, we've said almost verbatim exactly what you said yeah. when we sort of talked about that. Because, yeah, that was when the launch happened, there was just, like, a lot of noisy people on forums and stuff, and it's like, have you even actually used it yet? I don't know right. if you have. Right. Um, it's going great. Uh, the development team for Luna is amazing. And, um, my job has really switched into customer support, uh, for Luna, um, since the lockdown started. So really what I'm doing is, uh, looking at bugs and errors and problems that users are having with Luna. So I'm seeing like, oh, Hey, someone's having this, this thing's happening or this thing's happening. Um, but I get so many people like, oh, hey, there's this problem, but I love the software so much. It's changed my life. It sounds so good. Um, everything is is wonderful. Um, I think the, the people that like it and get it love it. Absolutely. Um, but I was backtracking a little bit. I work fairly close-ish to the dev team, and the, they are geniuses really and they can work so fast if there's like i watched them solve a bug in front of my own eyes one time um that i that's had insane that yeah. never happens right they were like oh this thing this went wrong and then it's like oh cool hey sean um you know do this and connor you do this and and boom now it's salt and it's like wow wow okay so they are on it i mean they are really really on it and nothing but props to the dev team i wish i was half as smart as any of them Hell yeah! Well, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I'm still um, on a, my first edition uh, Apollo here that uh, is FireWire, so I'm not quite Thunderbolt capable yet. But oh, just um, that's going to happen, and I, and I think I'm honestly, I have no reason to not at least really try to use Luna since I'm so heavily invested in the Universal Audio thing anyway. So I'm, I, I will definitely be doing it and probably be sending you emails about you know, oh yeah, things I need to fix. Of course, um, you know, one thing I just want to point out there, I get a lot of questions about this. Um, you have the original. Uh, silver Apollo rack. Um, you are connecting yep. via, via FireWire. If you just buy yep. the Thunderbolt card, you can access Luna with that original. Yeah, interface. I've I've definitely thought about it. Honestly, I'm I am such a, a freaking nerd about new things that I kind of I've pretty much just convinced myself that I want the X8P either way. Yeah. Um. So that's probably what I'm going to do. But yeah, I, I I've been pretty close to just being like, screw it, I'll just buy the Thunderbolt Thunderbolt card. But I haven't done that yet. Well, okay, so buy yourself an X8P and then buy yourself a Thunderbolt card and then daisy chain your two racks and you have more DSP Ooh. and more inputs. Oh my god. You know. That's that, killing me here. That's the <laughs> that serious well, that's my job. So, I mean, really <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, cool. No, you're right and absolutely. Yeah, here here's a, a quick sales pitch for UA and I think it's one of the coolest things that this company does and we're able to do is that um, your old interfaces don't become obsolete when the new generation comes out. You know, you daisy chain them together, generations, you know, the first generation to the third generation, um, and you keep, can keep using, you know, your eight-year-old now rack interface uh, where, wow. you know, it it keeps the product alive for much, much longer. Where um, That is beautiful, actually. Yeah. 
and I uh, love that. Yeah, there's no. It's not necessarily planned obsolescence. It's uh, you can you can continue to use them. And yeah, ha- being, having all the extra DSP power. It, that's uh, frankly that's pr- pretty much the main reason that I want to upgrade is because I'm. I've, it's the duo, you know. So I and you know I throw like a the Ampex on, and all of a sudden that's like 40 percent of your processing power right there. Right. So I, I do need I do need some more processing power, and you could do a satellite. You've got some options here, right? Uh, I want to ask, so it doesn't have to necessarily be UA stuff, although of course it can be. Um, we've got we got a lot of, especially right now. I mean, people, there's so many more people recording from home, doing sort of their own recording and that sort of thing. So I'm curious, both as a professional ass studio owner and and someone who knows as much about or more about UA stuff than most people out there. Uh-huh. Do you have any tips for people, uh, sort of like things that you hear that maybe, maybe it's something that you've got to mix and you're hearing some issues from stuff that people have recorded at home and sent you any tips that you can give to our listeners about things that they can do to sort of make their own home recordings a little more professional. Um, level getting the gain right on your microphones, I think is, mm-hmm. uh, the most important, um, thing. If you're going to record at home and send it somewhere else, uh, or even for yourself, uh, so many people look at stuff and they say the meters and it's like, Ooh, I want that thing all the way up, like all the way up is loud. It's good. And that's not actually the case. Um, mm. if, if you look at meters and let's just say pro tools, or I have, I'm actually using Luna to record this podcast right now. Um, but you look at your, your meters and they, um, start at zero at the top and go down to negative, let's just say negative a hundred. Um, mm-hmm. truly a good rule of thumb is you want your meters when you're recording like an audio track, like a voice track or whatever, to be peaking right around minus 12. Um, it gives you yep. lots and lots of headroom, um, for something loud, something that pops or whatever. Um, but it's also good to keep it away from the noise floor. So, you know, don't turn everything all the way up. Like that's bad. It sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> everything gets gross. Um, but you want those meters right around negative 12 or so. So that's such good advice. That's and, really good. And something we've talked about. And I'm curious because one of the reasons that I was given specifically that minus 12 number, and I would be curious to know if this applies with UA stuff as well, um, that uh, typically software plugins are designed to to see a level that's around minus 12 dB. And then once you start getting beyond that, even if it doesn't look like it's clipping, that a lot of plugins are, are not designed to be getting that much level. Is that, does that hold true with UA plugins? Um, not necessarily. And I think, um, um, I think the minus 12 thing comes more for, from like calibrations of, of things. Like if you think about old view meters on consoles and tape machines and stuff, uh, typically everyone's calibrating, um, zero VU to be equal to minus 12 dBFS. Um, and I think that they're calibrating their plugins, um, when they're designing them to sort of be, you know, my optimal input is right at zero VU, which would be minus 12 dBFS. Yeah, that makes sense. Certain plugins are calibrated at different things. Um, so... I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, UA has some plugins that are calibrated for minus 12 and other ones that are optimized for minus 18. So, um, and, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think... Very good to know. I can't remember off the top of my head, but some of the tape plugins, I think, are, cali- are optim- optimized at minus 18 dBFS. The more you know. 
yeah. we're all learning here, folks. And honestly, I've I've learned a ton. Yeah, me too. Uh, this is great. Even just scraping the surface with you, man. So, dude, that was thank you so much for joining us. That was incredible discussion. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you about Palisade Studio and all that kind of stuff that you've got going on right now, where would be the best place to send them on the old web? On the web, uh, well, go to our website, which is palisadestudios.com. Um, you know, we have a contact form there. You can see some pictures. Uh, you can lust over the gear list. Uh, it is oh. quite a slutty gear list, I will admit. Um, <laughs> we, we, yeah, I looked at it, man. It's really yeah. nice it's, stuff. Yeah, I mean, everything. Not even just the, you know, it's, you've got amps. You've got all the synths and, and the got about Hammond M3. Five, uh, the, snare drums to pick from, even. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. at least. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, like, that list came... Um, merging everyone so it's it's three of us here um and that are are the co-owners um of the of the place and it kind of came from everyone just we have all this gear and we merged it all together and now we have an unbelievable amount of gear and it hell yeah you know i'm like i I tried to say earlier like yeah gears all hammers it's all tools at the end um but also yeah it's pretty cool so (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty cool and frankly beyond the reach of most people and and i think that is the the reason that a studio like yours is still so viable is because you can have this collection of stuff that frankly yeah they're tools but they're really fucking nice and really nice very tools. expensive tools right like, and and most of us just can't get 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 our hands on those but you can get your hands on some studio time or pay you to mix your your their project through that stuff so that is definitely oh. what you should do and then in in terms of you know obviously don't want to create too much extra work for your right now but if folks wanted to get in touch um about any sort of luna or any kind of issues or questions that they have with universal audio stuff where would you direct them to uh to go on the old internets um well the first place i would direct them is the uad forums uh which is just uadforums.com um and that will be a lot of very active um and knowledgeable uad users um and check there to see if your problem is uh has been talked about before. Uh, otherwise, um, if you want to get a hold of us, if you have something crazy going on, uh, well, submit a, submit a support ticket, and maybe I'll talk to you. So, that's awesome. That's great, man. Um, and cool. if you, you're in good hands, if you do get him, yeah, of course. And if you are like so super curious and you know want to demo something, reach out to the studio. Like we have, we have it all here. So we can, you know, give you. I can give you a demo. Love that. Oh, that's beautiful. All right. Dave, Joey, it's been great talking to you yeah, both nice today. Hopefully you, we can uh yeah. you know, at some point sort of find a way to be in a same space and crack a cold one or something oh, that yeah. people used to do before all this shit. Yeah, you guys you guys have to come and see the space in person and yeah. then we can I Yeah, I want to see that big I, live I can't room wait. you guys have, man. The live room looks amazing, so I can't wait yeah. to check that out. Well, all right, guys. Well, clearly my brain's dead, so this is a great, as good a time as any to call it. Uh, Joey, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you awesome. so much, man. That was bad. Of course. Uh, yeah. Go, go check out Palisade Studio. Go buy some Universal Audio gear because that's good stuff. And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves, guys. Yeah, all you right. too.